to the spin-off series Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Baby Yoda. This is a celebration of Season 2 of The Mandalorian coming out. We are recapping every episode of Season 1 of The Mandalorian. If you just heard a car, that's because I'm outside. It's it's the fall, y'all, and it's nice, and I want to sit on my back porch, and I'm sorry the audio quality won't be quite as good for this episode. I hope you'll bear with me. Maybe you'll go listen outside, and we'll feel together. Uh, crack open a brew dog, or uh, make a hot cider or tea or something like that, and, and just sit out in the nice autumn weather, If especially if you're like me and you live in Kansas City, Missouri. This is my favorite time of year. This is my favorite climate. On the planet is Kansas City, Missouri in October and November. I just absolutely love it. So I'm sorry. I'm sacrificing audio quality for comfort. And I hope that you like the show well enough to accept that. So uh, we are going to be talking about Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian today. We're going to be talking about The Gunslinger, okay? And I'm really excited about... Uh, this, uh, I, I will be honest up front. I will tell you this is my least favorite episode of this whole show, and I still really like it a lot. And what I'm really excited about is that next week, next Friday, I'm dropping the episode for Chapter 6, The Prisoner, which is one of my favorite episodes. And then the following Friday, I'm going to drop a doubleheader because I personally consider Chapter 7 and 8 a two-parter. Uh, I'm going to be dropping that. And also on that day... The Mandalorian Season 2 drops. So I will then begin... I, I, I don't know yet. I haven't decided what day of the week. I'm, I'm not going to wait till Friday. But some day of the week, I am going to start dropping uh, recaps of the new episodes, too. And I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I love this show so much. I love Star Wars. We haven't had new Star Wars since Rise of Skywalker, which even diehards like me have to admit was... Uh, uh, a movie. <laughs> I like, I like a lot of parts of Rise of Skywalker. I'm an apologist, but come on, guys. That you know, we all know that wasn't uh, the end all be all of Star Wars. So, um, which is good because it wasn't the best. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to this episode. We are talking about Chapter Five: The Gunslinger. All right, so Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, originally aired on December 6th, 2019, which just feels like a simpler time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, it was written and directed by my boy, Dave Filoni, which is why I feel terrible for admitting that this is my least favorite episode of the whole show. Dave Filoni, as we've discussed in previous episodes, is... Basically, the new George Lucas. Uh, he and George became close friends when they were uh, working on Clone Wars, and, and, and he was deemed by George Lucas to be just basically, like, the official brain of Star Wars. I love Dave Filoni. Honestly, like, top five people in the whole world I hope I meet before I die is Dave Filoni. He is also a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, which, I mean, like, the fact that he and I could geek out about... Uh, 
you know, the 94 pens and, uh, <laughs> and also Star Wars. And, uh, you know, that, that just makes me really, really happy to think about. Some, someday we will. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, I will make podcasts about the things he makes. So we are talking about Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. As always, there's spoilers and all that jazz. Uh, so don't listen to this until you have seen the episode, you goof. Or do if you like spoilers. Actually, you know what? It'd be funny if somebody's like not watching season one and they're just listening to this. I don't think anybody is, but that'd be funny. Okay, so before we get into the episode, I want to talk about themes. So to me, the themes of this episode are such. I think the themes of this episode are the past and the future. And... I know that that probably sounds really nebulous and a little bit of a cop-out, but I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about why this episode is set on Tatooine when none of the other episodes in this whole season are set on a planet that we've been to, why there aren't any other set locations that we've seen before, there aren't any characters that we've seen before, uh, except for, uh, you know, hold off till the end of the episode, maybe, question mark. Uh, th- it's a very deliberate choice. And as a result, I have to say that I think this episode is about the past and the future. And we'll get into what I mean exactly, but I think that when we're looking at, you know, the child is not in this episode very much at all. I mean, this is very much a Mando-centric Episode. There are maybe two scenes total in which Mando does not appear, and they are scenes with the child and uh, our 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 friend uh, Peli Moto, who we will get to, Uh, (laughs) or Mato, I guess maybe Uh, we we will get to Peli. But what I think is really interesting is that we we see the past of who Mando was. We see the past of what a bounty, like, what he might have looked like when he wanted to become a bounty hunter. We see the past of Star Wars. We see Tatooine. We see a lot of homages to Episode Four, And then we also see glimpses at the future. We see looks at the kind of person Mando wants to be. We, we, we see, again, a running theme of this is how he has changed because of the child. And uh, I think it's a really interesting episode. So I'd say the main theme is the past. But I also think that the future is a theme because it's, it's also about how we have changed or uh, looking back at the past. Okay, so let's talk about Mando's body count. By my count, there is only one murder in this episode, which is Toro. Spoilers. Toro Calican does not make it to the end of the episode, which brings us to approximately 60 humans, aliens, sentient beings that Mando has killed through five episodes of the show. Not too shabby. All right, so I want to get to my favorite parts of this episode, and through those, I'm going to end up kind of talking about the themes. So... Obviously, the opening of this episode is really great. Mando and the child are being chased by another pilot, and it's a really dramatic, intense way to start the episode, which I think is smart because shortly after this, the episode is pretty slow. I I, I think one of my biggest problems with this episode is that it is 33 minutes long, and not a whole lot happens. 
There's some really beautiful cinematography. There's some interesting character development. There's a there's one or two pretty cool action scenes. But for 33 minutes, this is not your most active episode. So I want to say that one of my favorite things about this is this running theme that we've had before of comedians being great in Star Wars The Mandalorian. And Amy Sedaris is maybe the all-time great example of this. Amy Sedaris, probably best known for Hard Candy on on Comedy Central, which is a show about uh, a, a woman who uh, sells crystal meth and goes back to school to... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's wild. It, it was uh, Stephen Colbert's big breakthrough. Um, great, great show. <laughs> and she's wonderful on that. She was also Princess Caroline on BoJack Horseman. She was the voice of uh, BoJack's agent on on that show. And, man, what a great performance she gives there. Um, some Some... Really heartbreaking, dramatic episodes in addition to comedy. She's a, she's a wonderful actress. She's not just a comedian. Um, I hate it when people say that, so I'm sorry that I just said that cliche out loud. But she is a, a very, very diverse performer. I also love that in addition to seeing her, we get these pit droids from episode one. And this is, I think, a sign that Dave Filoni was involved in this episode. Dave Filoni is the reason why I love the prequel trilogy. Dave Filoni, if you ever hear him talk about the prequels or write about the prequels, he is the one who changed my mind about the prequels. He's the one who evangelized me. (laughs) And look, I know the prequels aren't as good as, as the original trilogy. You'll never hear me say it. Never, never, ever. But I do think that he sees a... The, the good side of them. He sees what George was trying to do. He sees the big swings that George was trying to make. And uh, I love the pit droids. If I'm being very honest, episode one, a lot of flaws. The pit droids, not one of them. The pit droids are funny. I like the idea of these, like, it's like a Pixar lamp that it also can help build things. And then I like that if you bop it on the head, it shrinks up. It's a fun concept. So I'm glad that they made a reappearance here. I hadn't seen them since the Nintendo 64 game pod racer which actually was recently re-released on the switch uh which is, is a lot of fun uh a thing that i really like here is that when mando walks into moss Eisley, he sees these stormtrooper skulls on pikes and this is another instance i think of the past versus the future and by the way when i say the future i'm referring to this episode as the future in the sense that it is the future juxtaposed with um, with the original trilogy, if that, if that makes sense. So what, what I like here is we see Tatooine. This is one of the backdrops where we saw in the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy and momentarily in, I'm, I'm so sorry, in the prequel trilogy, the main, the, you know, original trilogy and momentarily in the sequel trilogy as well when Rey, spoilers, Rey, Skywalker, whatever, you know, Buries the lightsabers of Luke and Leia. Um, so, this is one of the few places we've been in all three eras of Star Wars. And I do think it's interesting to show that the stormtroopers who were originally walking around asking if these were the droids th- that they were looking for, now their heads are on pikes, which is to say that, you know, the Empire really is dead. And especially here in the Outer Rim, the Empire has no authority, has no power, 
And I do think that's a very cool visual. I think it's just like objectively a great Star Wars moment. And I really love it. Uh, I, I I really like it. I think you'd be a little concerned if you walked in on your kids uh, playing with Legos and they had recreated this moment, but it's pretty dope. Next, I really like the the cantina scene. I think there's this really cool thing about the cantina scene, which is that this is the same cantina from A New Hope. And orig- in, in A New Hope, no droids were allowed. Remember, C-3PO... And R2-D2, had, they had to go outside. They had to wait. Well, now, not only are droids allowed, there is a droid bartender. And this is a EV-99. And I think a very cool little trivia thing is that EV-99 is voiced by Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill himself. And I really like this a lot. I think this is a fun little nod, fun little Easter egg. And... These are the moments where I think you can really tell Dave Filoni was in charge of this episode. There are a lot of, like, silly little callbacks. Um, there's there's so many episode four homages in this. You know, I didn't say it, but up top, the scene where Mando and, and, and LBY are being chased by the fighter, it is very much reminiscent of vader chasing luke in the death star trench and and the way the heads up display and the and and all that uh there's a lot of nods here so speaking of nods now that we're in the cantina we get this really great moment where we do see toro calican who is this just kind of like obnoxious he's the rc cola to han's coca-cola classic he's sitting in han's booth how dare he he's got his hands up in the same position all these visual cues are very clear he calls mando over and he tries to get mando to help him out on a mission which was is our first clue that he is no han solo because han is the one being approached in, in a new hope we learn about uh, Finnick Sean, who is played by Ming-Na Wen, who you may or may not realize, this is uh, she's an incredible actress. You, if you've watched the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she's Melinda May. You might recognize her from that. What you might not know is that she is the voice of Mulan in Mulan 1 and 2, the uh, Mulan 2, the VHS, uh, straight-to-VHS sequel to Mulan. Um, really, really great actress. When I heard she was cast in this, I was so stoked, and she's great in this episode, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think we're done with her, and we'll, we'll get to that. We will get to that, but I'm not so convinced that we are done with the character of Fennec. So Toro says, hey, look, I need your help. I want to be a bounty hunter, and, and Mando gets sucked into this. They go out in the desert looking for Fennec. There's this really great moment, probably my favorite moment of the whole episode, where they're looking through the, uh, I don't know, the, it's not a monocle, and it's not binoculars, monoculars. I'm As a real Star Wars fan, I should know what they're called. I'm so sorry I don't. But it's like, it's this great throwback to when uh, the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders, sneak up on Luke when he's going to visit Obi-Wan Kenobi. But they see him, and, and, and he makes a comment, oh, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm going to butcher it. Sorry. Gosh, I should have written it down. I, I thought I did write it down. Uh, but basically like, oh, well, um, we, we should tell the natives that they're here. And, and then and then Dan Mando says, as far as they're concerned, they are the natives. And uh, then he says, well, uh, well, why don't you tell him that? Turns around. There's one standing right by him. Then Dan saves the day with some hands, 
like some sign language and it's I really love it's just a really it's another great way to show us that Dennis is very well traveled and very smart and uh, and then we find out um, that Finnick is up in the hills with this modified sniper rifle and it's gonna blast at them and and Mando says I've got this idea let's wait till night so they wait till night and he has this cool concept of they're, they're gonna ride up on these speeder bikes and they're gonna use these flashbangs and they're going to distract her, and this is definitely the coolest part of the whole episode. It's, it's just like, um, it's at night. It's, a lot of it's like point of view and kind of night vision. This is where Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni is the co-creator of Star Wars Rebels and co-creator uh, and developer of uh, of Clone Wars, and his main background's in animation. This is actually the first live-action directing he's done. And this this whole part's great because it shows that he's very good with storyboards and he's, he's very good at directing animation. And, and I, I really like this section a lot for that reason. Very cool. Very fun. They come up on Finnick and, uh, they're, they're able to, to capture her, uh, despite Toro's, uh, you know, kind of James Bond villain monologuing almost costs them, but, uh, they can't carry everybody all together. Manda goes back for a do back. Finnick convinces, Toro, she should turn on Mando. And then we end up in this final conflict, which it's fine. I think it's very predictable and very safe. And to be frank, this is, to me, kind of boring. And this is where I'm like, why is this episode 33 minutes long? So basically, Mando shows up. He has a plan. He drops another flashbang. He he wastes Toro Calican in, in, in one shot and uh, ends up giving uh, Pelly a whole bunch of credits, and they fly off, and everybody lives happily ever after the end. And so I, I, I think, um, I don't know. This is my least favorite episode. I don't think that much happens. I do think that the themes of the past and the future are, are interesting. I think it's interesting to think about. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, but but there are some, some quotes that Pelly has that challenges Mando and whether or not he's grown and makes you think about whether or not he's grown, how much he's grown. But I do think this is definitely the moment of the season where it's kind of reloading and getting ready for the last three episodes, which all three hit like a truck. So uh, that, those are my favorite parts. Let's talk about the best quotes. I can get you more credits. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. So one of the best quotes happens very early on. It, it's probably the coolest quote, which is when Mando's being chased and the ba- bounty hunter that's chasing him says, I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. And then Mando slams on the brakes, gets him in the targets and says, that's my line, and then dusts him. And if that's not why you're watching this show, then you and I are watching this show for very, very different reasons. It's just so cool. I love, there's a lot of really good Pelly moments. And there's a lot of good Pelly moments, especially if you're going to talk about, like, why this episode has value. I do think Pelly is a really important character. You know, I, I, I think her design's really interesting. She reminds me a lot of Ellen Ripley from the Alien movies from a design perspective. And I don't know if that's deliberate or not. And if it is deliberate, I don't know what we're supposed to take from that or not. But what I do like about Pelly as a measuring stick to Mando is that Pelly isn't even that maternal, for a lack of better words. She doesn't talk about having kids of her own by any means. And yet, she is able to really school Mando on child rearing. And so, like, there's this line of, uh, 
you can't just leave a child alone like that, you know? You have an awful lot to learn about raising a young one. And I, I do love later on, she wants to ask, so right before they're, right at the, like truly the end of the episode, uh, th- there's there's a moment where she she's wanting to ask him, you know, hey, did you get money for me or not? And instead she says to him, uh, to Mando, be careful with them, in reference to, you know, the child. And then she says, so I take it you didn't get paid. And then Mando dumps, like, a crazy, like, wild, I don't know. Like, when you were, like, 10 years old and if somebody spent $20 on Chuck E. Cheese tokens level of credits. uh, And and then he goes, that cover me. And she's like, yeah, 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 that's going to cover you. Yep. (laughs) The great uh, comedic line reading from Amy Sedaris. I love it. And then I'll say, like, I know this is a cop-out, but I think one of the best quotes of the episode is the lack of a be-a-good-dad da- be quote. There is, like, as they're boarding the ship, you're expecting Pelly to say, like, one more time, like, hey, he's a kid. You gotta, you gotta let him play or something like that. And there's not that moment. And I like that there's not because... Pelly's not in a place to judge, first of all. And then second of all, I really think she saw how much Mando quite literally came to the child's rescue and sees, you know what? This is a good man. He cares about this child. He's going to take care of him. And and I really liked that a lot. I, I really enjoyed that that lack of a quote a great deal. But no, I, I, I do think that some of those best quotes really are Pelly causing us to ask ourselves, is Mando a good dad? Is he going to take care of the child? Is this a good fit? And and I think the episode answers for us by the end. Yeah, you know what? He is going to take care of him. And, and, and they are a good fit for each other. And I, I like that a lot. All right, so we're starting to wrap up here. Let's talk about winners and losers. To your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, Artu. Let the Wookiee win. So winners, uh, Peli Moto. Uh, she got a whole bunch of money. She got to hold LBY, which is my dream. I want to hold LBY, that sweet, sweet little child. And uh, then the losers are are uh, Toro Calican is a big loser. I mean, he he looks look. He's 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 a snack. He's he's an attractive fellow. No, I'm not gonna lie, but. But he, uh, what's he do, man? You know, like, like, oh, he looks handsome. He looks not as handsome as Harrison Ford in Harrison Ford's booth. Uh, I'm sorry, Han Solo. <laughs> Who's Harrison Ford? I don't know. I'm Star Wars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a dumb joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's a dweeb. He's whiny. He gets tricked by Finnick. I mean, like, kind of, kind of tricked by Finnick, and then gets just dusted by Mando. Uh, he's such a loser, you know. Uh, we don't miss him. We won't think about him in the middle of season two at all. And then Finnick, Finnick gets, uh, you know, backstabbed, or, or in this case, front blasted by Toro, and uh, just dies in the desert. Or does she? <laughs> that was the sound effect. A potential winner. Finnick shunned? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, so this is what we have to talk about before we let this episode go. Who saves her at the end? So this is clearly someone with a cape. It's very vague. The easy answer, I think, is Moff Gideon. 
because Moff Gideon comes back. Moff Gideon is the big bad of the show. Moff Gideon is clearly coming back. Spoilers for season two. Um, Giancarlo Esposito is, you know, you know, this like now famous villain actor. I mean, between Breaking Bad and the boys and this, that's what he's known for. I don't know. I, 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 it could be Moff Gideon and I'll accept that answer. My, my rebuttal to that would be then why wasn't Finnick in the last two episodes at all? So then, like, I'm left with this crazy theory that I'm not going to be the first person who ever said this, but, guys, is it Boba Fett? Is it Boba Fett? I mean, in in Legends canon, which is no longer officially Star Wars canon, at one point in time, Boba Fett crawls out of the pit of Carcoon, the, the Sarlacc pit at Jabba's palace on Tatooine, escapes, and rebuilds himself and, 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 and has a third act as a bounty hunter. She did mention that she had a rendezvous at, you know, on Tatooine. I, I don't know. But here is where I'm the most sold on the Boba Fett theory is. There is not another moment of this entire show set on a planet we've been to before this show. There is not a character in this show who is also in the other Star Wars movies or TV shows, unless I'm totally blanking out, and I'm so sorry if I am, but I don't think there is. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, maybe the child's a clone, okay, but, like, it's not Yoda Yoda. It's if, if, he, if the child is, in fact, a clone, it's a clone of Yoda, okay? So, like, I am left really thinking it's Boba Fett. And and here's the other thing. We hear spurs changling, and that is a sound that is very much affiliated with Boba Fett. The spurs are a Boba Fett sound. And Tatooine is where we last saw Boba Fett, and this is the only time in the whole show that we see a planet that we had seen before. And I don't know. We will definitely find out. And, and look, Look, I know that, like, you might be tempted to be like, okay, well, we would have heard about Boba Fett. We've heard about, uh, we've heard about the fact that Ahsoka Tano, for example, is in season two. We know for a fact that Ahsoka Tano is in season two, and there's pretty heavy rumors that Sabine Wren is also in season two. Okay, great. That's fine. I hear you. We didn't know about Baby Yoda. We did not know about the child. We didn't know about what would have been the best-selling Christmas toy of 2019 because Disney decided it would be cooler and more interesting to have a secret. And I'm sorry, but the best way they could possibly rekindle that magic is if Boba Fett is in season two and if Boba Fett is working for Moff Gideon. So, I, you know, maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it's not. It probably won't. But in my heart, I personally have gotten to a point where I think Boba Fett is going to be in season two. And I'm saying it now. Uh, in October, I, I, I personally I do think that's going to happen. We'll see. I could be dead wrong. But, man, it'd be cool and weird and interesting. And, uh, you know, so intrigued. So, all right, that's the end of this episode. I've gone now almost as long as the actual episode itself. Next week, I will be dropping 
The Prisoner. And then on the 30th, the day that season two premieres, I will be dropping two episodes. Because, again, I personally consider those last two episodes a two-parter. Um, chapters seven and eight. And then we will dig into season two. I'm so excited. So until then, may the force be with you. Be excellent to one another. Wash your hands. Get all those midichlorians off of them. I'm kidding. Medichlorians don't cause COVID. But, uh, yep, that's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Bye. <laughs>